When you're choosing an animal nickname for your sports team, then you need to give it some serious thought. You want a creature that symbolises strength like a bull, or ferocity like a lion, or teamwork by, like wolves. Anything, really, that conveys courage, power, and all-round invincibility. You don't have the Houston hamsters, too cuddly, or the Lincoln lambs, too cute, or the Anaheim aardvarks, too difficult to spell. Give us an A, give us an R. No, wait, give us another A. So why then did the Swiss city of Zurich give its major professional soccer team the name Grasshoppers? Granted, they are useful at the long jump, but they can be crushed underfoot without someone even noticing. When it comes to intimidating opponents, the grasshopper has all the fear factor of a grasshopper. If the metaphors you use shape your life, then what were the good people of Zurich thinking 140 years ago when they baptised their football club after that insect? Well, I don't know, but it hasn't done them any harm because grasshoppers have won the Swiss League Championship 27 times. Maybe it's a Zen mind games thing. Uh, make the opposition think we're feeble and tiny and they should crush us while secretly filling our team with great players from around the world. No, if you're going to name your team after something with wings, make it an eagle. Over 1,600 sports teams in the US can't be wrong. It is the most used nickname in all of American sport. I'd rather be a sparrow than a snail, a hammer than a nail, and an eagle than a grasshopper. That's what Isaiah thought in chapter 40 that we read just now. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. That's how the passage starts, with grasshoppers, human grasshoppers. That, says Isaiah, is what we, ladies and gentlemen, are compared to the power of Almighty God. But that lowly beginning evolves into something more majestic by the end of the passage. God gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. From grasshoppers to eagles. Don't we need this word in month 11 of the pandemic? God gives power to the faint and strengthens the weary. 
Those who wait for the Lord shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Because if there's one word that describes our society right now, uh, and actually there are many, uh, but this one is up there, it's weary. Not the regular kind of tiredness that comes from a long day of work or the exhaustion that comes from a few nights of poor sleep. I mean a weariness of life. A parishioner told me they had bought a new clock and instead of numbers it has the days of the week because it's so easy to lose track of the days. Last Tuesday may have been Groundhog Day, but it describes every day for the last 11 months, but without Bill Murray to make it fun. So let's seize on this wonderful promise of God, this thrilling transformation, this energising evolution, this magnificent mutation from grasshopper to eagle. I want you to do something. Close your eyes and conjure up a picture of an eagle. Okay, everyone seeing an eagle in your mind's eye? Okay, wake up, <laughs> open your eyes. Now, what was your eagle doing? I bet your eagle was soaring. It wasn't flapping its wings frantically, trying hard to stay airborne. It probably wasn't perched in a tree or sitting on the ground. It was likely soaring, hanging there effortlessly and free. Eagles find the thermals and they rise without effort, climbing higher and higher without even a flap of a wing. They rest in midair. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. The pandemic has been transforming for me. It's changed the way I view uh, church and the way I regard my ministry. It has made me more relaxed. I feel less dread that it all depends on me and my hard work and that the number of bottoms on pews indicates how good a priest I am and how much I'm worthy of God's love and people's acceptance. Right now, I feel relieved of those unhelpful and untrue thoughts. What I'm learning is it was never really about bottoms on pews. At least, it shouldn't have been. It has always only ever been about feet following Jesus, whether they are in church on a given Sunday or not. What is the key to soaring like an eagle? Waiting on the Lord, says Isaiah. And if there's one thing we should be really good at by now, it's waiting. You and I don't need to be out there making things happen, doing deals, having meetings, planning the future. It is only on God's thermals that we can soar. Desperately flapping our wings will not cut it. I'm really excited that Lent is just 10 days away 
because it will give us great structure to our waiting. The writers of the Bible often use a device called the three-part series. They say the same thing three times in different ways. Preachers and politicians do it all the time and usually not very well. The key to a good three-part series is to raise the tension with each part. So you start small and then expand the weight with the second part and then in the third part you go so big that your hearers feel their spirits rise as you take them to this peak. You build it up. Now look at Isaiah's three-part series. Those who wait on the Lord shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. If I were teaching Isaiah how to preach, I'd say, no dude, you got that wrong. You started big and you got smaller. You start with eagle's wings and you end up with walking. Reverse it. Those who wait on the Lord shall walk and not faint. They shall run and not be weary. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. That's what I call preaching. Put the eagle at the end and build up to it. But maybe Isaiah knows what he's doing. Maybe being an eagle is so magnificent that it may feel like an impossible goal for most of us. What's so bad with being a grasshopper? Many of us, me included, would settle for just being human, just humbly, unspectacularly walking with God. Running would be fantastic, but soaring through life like an eagle, I'm not sure I can do that even with God's help. My faith is too puny, my life too erratic, my ability to live contentedly too marred by my human frailty. I really wanted to be Graham. I'd have given anything to be like Graham. Graham was the son of a famous father, his dad played cricket for England. <clears throat> In fact, he was one of the most gifted players of his generation and played for the English national team over 100 times. He was knighted by the Queen for his services to the game. Graham's dad was a legend everywhere cricket was played. And for a boy like me who loved cricket, Graham's dad was the ultimate swashbuckling hero. I met Graham when we were 15. He went to a prestigious independent school in the south of England and I went to a much more ordinary one 50 miles away. Graham's school were the champions of their county at age 15 and my school were the champions of our county and so we played each other. And there was Graham. Everyone on our team knew who he was. 
We talked about him all the way to the game on the school bus, nervously, hoping that we'd be able to overcome our feelings of unworthiness when the game started. Graham looked like his dad, and he batted like him, at least a 15-year-old version of him. Needless to say, his school won and went on to become the national champions. I don't remember how many runs I scored that day. Actually, I do, and it was far fewer than Graham. Four years later, I met Graham again. Now, we were both freshmen at college. He was at a prestigious university in the north of England, and I was at a more ordinary one 130 miles away. Do you see a pattern here? Our colleges were due to play each other, but it rained all day and not a ball was bowled. But I recognised him in the pavilion, looking even more like his father. Actually, I'm glad it rained that day. I didn't want to see just how good Graham had become, at least not through the eyes of an opponent. Truth is, he'd become very good and left university at that year and to play professionally. Now I really wanted to be Graham, world-famous dad and now a professional cricketer. In the years that followed, I saw Graham a few times, but he didn't see me. I would pay to see him. I bought my ticket, took my seat, and yes, he'd become very good. He eventually retired after a successful 14-year career. I heard nothing more about Graham for years. Then, just before Christmas, I was scrolling through the BBC sports pages and was shocked to read that Graham had died. It rocked me because I had wanted to soar like Graham. I'd have given anything to bat like Graham. People like Graham were special. They lived long and happy lives. They did not retire from cricket and then lose all their money in failed business ventures. They didn't experience divorce. They didn't lose their home and have to live in their car for months. They weren't forced to drive a delivery van just to earn money to buy food. And they didn't die at 56. Except, according to his obituary, Graham did all of those things, and it didn't make sense. Sometimes, flying like an eagle can take you too close to the sun. Sometimes, walking and running are the best we can do, and it is enough. Perhaps being a grasshopper is okay, how are you feeling today? May you know the truth of God's promise. Rest in God and find your relief from weariness. May you run and walk without quitting. And may you even soar like an eagle. Amen. <laughs>